Hello, everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 95, Novelty Hunting. Novelty Hunting. Oh. Sounds like clickbait. Does it? (laughs) I don't know. In my head, it just, it's like a very, you don't hear this word very often. So clickbait would be like the top 10 reasons you, novelty hunting is ruining your life. Oh yeah. I'm using the word clickbait wrong. Sorry about that. What word are you looking, hunting for? I think it's just that this is something, like it's a word that I don't know what it means. So I think, yeah. oh, I want to know what that means. And in my mind, that's clickbait. But what? I guess I'm using that word. When you wrong. don't know a word, it's clickbait? Like when I don't know something, doesn't that yeah. make you want to know it? Uh, what? I guess that's, I, that's in my head. That's like things that make me want to click things. Okay. Is when I don't know something. Oh. There you go. Good thing I'm a professor. Yeah. Yeah. So you can uh, teach people things they don't know. All right. So now that we've figured out, I don't actually know what the word clickbait means. Um, What is novelty Clickbait is like when when somebody makes you click it, you know? Like it's bait to click it when you're on the website. Yeah, in my head, that's when you don't know something. There's usually a number in it. Like the top 10, the top five. Or like a BuzzFeed quiz. Which which friend's character are you or something like that? If you scroll through BuzzFeed, it's all clickbait. Cool. All I right. thought they were getting into more serious journalism, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I think uh, I think it's kind of split, but mm. n- definitely the clickbait out there is novel. Oh yeah, yeah. And oh, nice. that's bringing that's it what makes to bringing it back to the topic. Yeah. So, what is novelty hunting? That, that's what makes you want to click it. So, <laughs> we, we should start uh, by talking about what novelty is, mm. because a lot of people, well, most people, know what the word novel is. It means something surprising in an interesting way. Does it have to be interesting? No, just surprising. Hmm. And, and so it, it goes back to dopamine. It's it's a chemical that is talked a, about on a lot of different podcasts. So I feel people need at home need to take a shot every time they hear the word dopamine on a podcast. But essentially dopamine is a chemical that makes us feel as though pleasure is right around the corner. So like and, anticipation? Yeah, it's, it's more of a neurochemical of anticipation than it is a chemical of pleasure. It's often called... Hmm a pleasure chemical, but there's essentially three factors that lead to a dopamine release in our mind. And the more that we have of these three factors, the more uh, of a hit we get of dopamine. So one is genetics, which differs from person to person. It's the denominator that we divide or multiply by. Uh, Then we have salience, which is how much something directly affects our life. So if you find Uh, $5 on the street and get a $5,000 pay raise that day, you'll get a bigger dopamine hit because of that pay raise, assuming it's surprising. And the third factor is the novelty factor. Mm. And that seems to be the thing that differs the most, especially in the digital realm that we occupy for around 13 hours every day. Um, The more surprising something is for us, the more of a dopamine hit that we get. And there's even a, a term called the novelty bias in research, uh, whereby for every new and novel thing we direct our attention at, the re- researchers refer to this as the novelty bias because we get a hit of dopamine when we tend to something novel. And especially when there's so much novelty online in the digital world, we tend to bounce around between different sources of novel stimuli. You know, sometimes when we just wake up in the morning, we uh, go to Instagram 
And then a little bit after that, we want another hit of novelty, so maybe we check email. And then we check the news to get another hit still, bouncing around in this kind of novelty uh, feedback loop, kind of losing control of our behavior while stimulating our mind. So presumably, though, people are doing all of these things for a reason, right? I mean, they're presumably at least sometimes pleasurable or they actually are useful or enjoyable. So like what causes this? Or I guess why, why does this even matter? Yeah, it, it, it really is more stressful than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And so the news is a really good example of this. We, we tend to uh, check the news when we go novelty hunting, but the news is a considerable source of stress that we don't really recognize. And it, it's in this way that novelty hunting itself becomes a source of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so to dig into the news example a little bit, uh, there's a study conducted around the 2013 Boston Marathon bombings that looked at two groups of people. The first group of people were those who watched six or more hours of news coverage about the bombings. And the second group of people were runners in the actual marathon. And what the team of researchers found was that those who watched the news coverage were reported themselves as more stressed than somebody who was in the marathon and personally affected by it. And they were more likely to develop post-traumatic stress disorder as well. And so, you know, it's a nice illustration, maybe not a nice illustration, but it's a powerful illustration of uh, the effect that novelty can have on our mental health when it's actually a hidden form of stress that leads us to not only stimulate our mind in a stressful way, there comes a point where stress becomes comfortable, but also overstimulate our mind in a way that we crave future novelty that is also a source of stress. And so, but novelty hunting is interesting. It's ingrained in our mind, but yet it can be this uh, hidden source of stress in our life. So does it matter? I mean, so even thinking about the Boston Marathon example, in that case, if you're just watching six hours of news, does it matter if you're bouncing between so many different news sources? Because I think, at least in my life, I find if... In these moments, I think I'm pretty good at being mindful of this, largely because we talk about this all the time. Yeah, yeah. You and I. Um, But when I do find in periods of maybe when I'm actually really stressed or I'm a little more tired or something, I find myself kind of like constantly looking for something different rather than just watching six straight hours of something. So does that matter at all? Like, is it the content of what you're what you're seeking out, or, or the kind of constant variety or shifting? It's definitely the novelty that propels us forward and is kind of what makes further consumption of information palatable to us. Mm. Um, and, and so it, it's interesting. Like novelty is a fascinating thing. And we we explore it in a past episode of the podcast too. I forget what episode it is. But if you search the podcast feed for novelty, it'll come right up. The novelty is a powerful, powerful factor in our lives. Um, you know, when we look back through time, through our lives, we tend to remember the novel moments. What? It's oh, episode found? 49. 49. The power of novelty. Oh, good old episode 49. We're, we're almost at 100, by the way. Going to have to do something special for 100? I don't like know. A it's a nice round number. Q&A or something? <laughs> yeah? Maybe, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, send uh, your question. Chris at chrisbailey.com. We'll Ooh. do a Q&A episode. Fun. All right. All right. That could be uh, terrible. Could be great. Could be terrible. We'll, Could be great. You'll have to tune in. Episode. We'll make sure it's great. 100's a 
Yeah. Who knew this would happen? Well, when you do it every second week, too, that's a lot of episodes <laughs> or a lot of time that, that's yeah, gone by. 200 weeks. But not back to novelty. Like we, we mark the passage of time with novelty. And so when we look back on our life, we tend to look back to the novel moments, which are the markers in time that feels, that, that makes us feel as though time is passing. Uh, but wh- where we run into problems, you know, back to, back to that I- idea, is when everything is novel, nothing is novel because novelty mm-hmm. is relative. And so, you know, when you're online kind of hunting novelty and novel information, novelty hunting, the title of Mm -hmm. the episode, um, because everything is novel, you're kind of swinging around in the digital uh, equivalent of Times Square, where everything is bright, everything is flashy, everything is novel. And because everything is novel, it kind of overwhelms our mind. It tends to be overstimulated, stimulating. It speeds up the passage of time, which is why, you know, we tend to feel like we're in this time wormhole when we're on our phone sometimes. But we pick it up and then 30 minutes later, we kind of need to shake our head and, and realize how we just spent our time. But it's because we fall victim to this novelty bias where because everything is novel, nothing is novel. So when we think something is going to actually be enjoyable, but then we end up spending hours on our phone just on Instagram or bouncing between apps and then checking your phone and checking the TV yeah. and, and then nothing is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a what an unfortunate like downward spiral. Yeah. yeah. And and this goes back to what we talk a lot about on the podcast, which is intention. Yes. I find, I, I think this is for me, I'm just very much more intentional, I guess, than I maybe used to be. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been pretty good at being mindful of, of, of how I spend my leisure time, just because as people who've listened to the podcast, I've always had, I've been in school forever. And while I was in school, I had so many jobs. And then now that I'm working just really one job, it's a big job and it's a lot of work. And yeah. so when I do have leisure time, I'm pretty protective of it. But that said, I am still human and I still definitely do this, like this novelty hunting. And I just find when I do fall into that trap and I'm finding I'm just constantly looking for a different, this happened actually recently where I was just constantly looking for a different podcast and I got through my podcast queue, which is not terribly long. And I thought, maybe I need to start listening to another podcast. And then... Time and attention. I mean, I do listen to all the episodes. It's do you in actually? There. Yeah. It's uh-huh. so hard, though. <laughs> yeah. It's like the same reason I can't listen to your audiobooks. It's just so weird. That would weird. be really weird. It's super weird. Um, but it's still cool. I'm very proud of you. But it's just weird because you're also my husband. And that's odd. Yeah. But... All of that Remember to say. at uh, uh, Greg's wedding a few months ago, Greg, uh, my cousin Greg, we're at his wedding <laughs> and uh, he told us that he f- falls asleep to my audiobooks. I mean... Remember that? I do. Oh yeah, I definitely remember that. But uh, I, yeah, I don't personally resonate with that <laughs> because I don't do that. Even no, when you you're out of town, I don't go seeking out your podcast. You, but, don't, you don't find the audiobooks soporific and... Dulcet oh, and, and enjoyable. Voice. But I no, it's not what I seek out in my personal time. <laughs> Hi, Greg. I'd rather just spend time with the real you. Oh. So and luckily I get to do that. So I'm I found my but yeah, back to the story. I was finding myself just seeking out different podcasts and I was listening to podcasts that I have listened to in the past and no longer follow. Mm. And I was just I realized I'm like, I'm not enjoying this at all. I've mm. just thought this out. And so I picked up a book and that was much more gratifying to just kind of like tone down the kind of super stimuli that I had been seeking out. And I don't even remember the conditions that led to this, but I was 
actively realizing I'm just not enjoying this constant look for like a different podcast or something else to yeah. distract me. And that super stimuli point is, I think, an important one. These super stimuli being these highly processed, exaggerated versions of something that we're biologically wired to enjoy. So we're biologically programmed to crave social connection with other people. Uh, so we love social media because it's familiar. It's updates about people we are friends with and love and are familiar with, with their work. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's simulated human connection that's, that's highly processed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, social networks use that familiarity bias that we have uh, to be a super stimuli. And of course, there was that point in time when these uh, timelines across our social networks on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on those are the main ones. I am LinkedIn, I'm guessing too. Facebook still exists too. Oh, Facebook is still a, a website yes, that people is. use. Yeah. I, I keep feel like a lot that. of people still use Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've never met anybody that has regretted deleting their Facebook account ever. And I mm -hmm. challenge you to find me somebody, please write me Chris at chrisbailey.com. I'd actually be quite curious. Or if the converse, if you've deleted it and love it, I'm, I'm curious. I'm one of those people. Yeah. Although same. that said, I did create a new account just for very intentional purposes. So yeah. I didn't totally, I did delete it and then I created a new one just for messages with like very specific people. I think I have four friends. Oh, yeah. Mrs. So popularity. So popular. Yeah. But there was that point in time when the different social networks went from a chronologically arranged timeline to an algorithmically mm -hmm. arranged timeline. So that the most novel updates, uh, especially personalized novelty, uh, can be presented first. And now the, the websites are going a step further and presenting us updates uh, about people we don't even follow. Yeah. Um, and it's just an acceleration of this era of novelty that we find ourselves in. And again, the connection to stress you know, this stresses us out. It overstimulates our mind because there's so much dopamine coursing through our mind. It makes us crave further distraction. It leads to more distraction because we want to continue to, rece to receive these hits of novelty as we work. You know, it's not enough to write an email. We have to bounce over to Twitter and another tab. It's, it's not enough to work in a Word document. We, we have to bounce over and check email continuously throughout the day not only to stay on tabs with things, but also for those hits of novelty to stay at that level of stimulation. Yeah, and I think the point here is that you'll never quite be satisfied doing that. You'll never feel like you're really getting the most out of your time, right? I think yeah. you, you might actually feel a little miserable. That's how I really oh, yeah. did feel when I was bouncing through trying to find new podcasts to just add more things to distract me from whatever I was actually trying to do. And that's yeah. just, I found myself like really unhappy. And luckily this is something I'm very aware of because I think about it. But I think the point is if you aren't aware of it, you can find yourself like quite, quite miserable. And if, yeah, um, just because you will never actually kind of see it through and actually be happy or satisfied with how you're spending your time. And yeah. that's, that's not a fun way to live. Yeah, it's interesting. Novelty is a double-edged sword, isn't mm -hmm. it? That's the expression, right? Double-edged sword. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, how, how are you using it? There's two sides oh, yeah. to the novelty coin. <laughs> oh, is, yeah, because we have what, talked about the yeah. like power of the, novelty yeah. and the importance of having novelty in this, so far as like having novel experiences yeah. in your life makes life meaningful. But, and makes time go by slower. Yeah, but if you're just having kind of unfulfilling novelty or yeah. just seeking out kind of 
shallow, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. forms of novelty, that's not rewarding. Super and stimulating not, yeah. kinds of novelty. Yeah, that's just not rewarding. And it's certainly not a good way to focus your time or your attention. Oh, look at nice. that. Good job. Well done. Me. So what can we do about it? <laughs> well, I think the first thing comes with recognizing this bias, right? Even just recognizing these patterns or these kind of, for lack of a better word, quite frankly, cravings mm-hmm. to, to kind of seek out something that would qualify as these kind of super stimuli that you talk about. And this is something actually that you talk about in the book, the new book, which I can plug. I know you can. Oh, yes. I know you don't like plugging it, but I'm so proud of you. And this week <laughs> it was on three Globe and Mail bestseller lists, which is a huge deal. So I'm so proud of you. But anyway, you do talk about this idea of, of super stimuli in your book, How to Calm Your Mind, which you can buy audience members anywhere the books are sold. And there's an audio book. There is an audiobook. So if you do if like you, Chris's voice... And you want to fall asleep you, to it. If you've like, made great. it through 95 episodes, presumably you don't hate it. Um, there, maybe we have some people who hate listen. Weird. Yeah. I, I, I would understand. love to know no, your, no, about don't your life email. choices. Don't email if you hate <laughs> listen to this podcast. Please. <laughs> anyway, I'm interested in the outliers. But uh, if this is something you do talk about. And, and just recognizing when you are craving or really seeking out these kind of super stimuli without intentionally doing so, if you're very thoughtfully going on Twitter or Instagram, then kudos to you. Do that. Enjoy. Like, that's totally fine. I know I pretty much check Instagram like once a week because sometimes people do post things that I really want to know about. Or if I'm consciously taking like a 15 minute break, I'll go on Twitter. And I'm very happy with those choices. And if that's an intentional thing, Great. But if it's just really responding to this kind of novelty bias mm-hmm. in an unhealthy way or an unintentional way, that's like 90% of the battle, I think, in this in this particular case. Yeah, it really is. Noticing this tendency that we have to want to hunt for novelty, mm-hmm. it really is a behavior that is part of, of this modern environment that we find ourselves in, the digital world. You know, this novelty hunting, it used to be it, that we didn't have these super stimulating sources and we used it to, for productive purposes. If we were kids, we would build a fort out of the chairs in the living room. Mm-hmm. If we were, if we had a bit of time to spare, maybe we'd write uh, poetry or a story or, or music and create. And, and these days we more consume mm-hmm. when, when we go novelty hunting. And so I think that just the awareness that we're, you know, seeking out novelty, whether it's in a loop of apps, whether we're trying to get something done and we're procrastinating and so we're checking something in a different window or a tab or a different device. I think that's that's key is, is that awareness. But one tactic in addition to this that I want to briefly touch on, and by the way, this tactic, I thought it was the most gimmicky thing in the world, uh, but then I tried it, and now I swear by it. Uh, th- there is a, a an idea called dopamine fasting uh, mm-hmm. that is kind of out there in circulation. And the, the term dopamine fast is really a misnomer because we can't fast from dopamine. Uh, we need dopamine. We use dopamine to think logically. We use it to think creatively. It propels us to uh, accomplish great things, to contribute great things. Uh, we rely on it biologically. Our, our biologically, we need dopamine to function. But it's like you were saying, it's those empty sources of dopamine that really prove to be the challenge. And so the idea with the dopamine fast is you fast from those super stimulating empty sources of dopamine. 
where you eliminate these sources of dopamine from your days, the empty sources, most of which are found in the digital world, and you find some substitutes for them. And this is the exciting part to me because it's an opportunity to reconnect with that different form of novelty uh, where it's like the old-timey, old-fashioned making a, a fort in the living room or creating something kind of novelty. Uh, who are some people that you want to spend time with? What are, what's a craft that you haven't done? What's an instrument that you want to pick up? Uh, identify the substitutes. Choose a duration of time. I like to do it for around a month and then notice what changes. It's, it's such a powerful tactic. You know, so kind of related to this, something I've for some reason found myself doing lately um, I, so I was very, very sick over the Christmas holiday or right after the Christmas holidays. And I watched uh, like quite a few episodes of Friends because that was what I was, the only thing I really had energy to do when I was really sick. So, and I noticed they don't have phones or anything to kind of distract them in those in-between moments. Yeah. And so it just, and, and I just thought, man, it would be so nice to just not even have that option sometimes mm-hmm. because it is so compelling, right? If you're on the bus, which I I am right now because biking is kind of miserable when there's this much snow. Um, so when I'm on the bus more often, I'm finding myself just pulling out my phone or, and even in these like little in between moments of things, I just pull out my phone or, or I'm just finding myself mindlessly using it. Yeah. And I've started thinking like, what would Chandler do oh. when I'm in, in these kind of in between <laughs> moments? And I don't know why Chandler, cause that would not be like the friend that I would kind of resonate with the most. I don't know any of them. He's a friend on Which friends. one is he? What, what actor? Matthew Perry. Oh. Canadian. Oh, yeah. Good Canadian fella. Yeah. So, all right. But all that said, I for whatever reason, I have this almost like, not a mantra, but a kind of repeating thought in my head, like, what would Chandler do right now? Because it's really true. Like, you just can't fill your days if you, if you, have the, if you don't have access to this tech. You can't fill those in-between moments when you're maybe walking across campus. Yeah, You have to be very present in the moment and you can't just constantly seek out different novel stimuli. And so I know this is kind of a little off, off, off topic, but no, in terms of all. like really being thoughtful, maybe thinking about what Chandler Bing could do. Yeah. We'll do it for you. Oh yeah. Great life advice. he can't go advice. on his phone all the time. Yeah. No, no. And <laughs> it, it's, it's remarkable when you watch a movie, the, um, the lengths that a or a writer of a movie will go to to remove phones from the plot line. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I know there's been a lot spoken about how a, a lot of Seinfeld episodes just wouldn't be possible anymore mm-hmm. because a phone would introduce a shortcut through the different points of a plot line. But movies are like that too. What was that uh, Knives Out movie that we just watched? Oh, Glass Onion? Yeah, the there, it was a plot point where everybody gave up their phone mm-hmm. when they got there. And yeah, yeah. and uh, you see a lot of shows, a lot of movies following a similar thing. If it's not enjoyable in a movie and doesn't create for a good plot in a movie, it, does the phone really uh, add much to the plot of your life? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. novelty hunting, a stimulation, fast noticing novelty and and all the ways that it can make your life great and meaningful especially when you look back through time chances are you don't think back to the tweets and the instagram updates you probably think to the analog moments with people you love and the uh the the things that bring you meaning in the past can be analog or analog moments with just yourself too yeah 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 go to an art gallery yeah instead of going on your phone 
that's a nice substitute mm-hmm. for this experiment. Yeah. And this is not to knock the digital world too much. You know, especially when we want to add efficiency to our life. Oh, yeah. Uh, the digital world add, adds features to our life. I can't imagine uh, functioning and traveling without Uber, for example, mm-hmm. and using the phone as a boarding pass and, uh, you know, all these different features. But, you know, technology, I think, exists to uh, make our lives more convenient and feature-rich, not to soak up our last intentions and, and to make us speed through time at a pace that we're not comfortable with, so... Novelty hunting, notice it, tame it. It's worth doing so. Mm-hmm. All right. Time and attention. This one flew by. It did. This was enjoyable. Time and attention.fm. Always a, a, a lovely time to sp- spend with you, dear wife of mine, <laughs> Professor Dr. Arda Nordstrom. Yeah, I guess so. Those are both true now. Yeah. yeah. Assistant professor. But do, yeah. Do you prefer doctor, professor, or professor, doctor? Neither of those things. I don't okay. know. I don't really go by either of those two things. All right. It's so funny. And I think in elementary and high school, you you call all of your teachers, Mr. or Mrs. or whatever. And, and then you get to university. And I, obviously, this, I'm not speaking for every prof, but I feel like most professors go by their first name. And so yeah. being called doctor anything, I think, oof, that sounds very, I don't know, much older than yeah. I feel. <laughs> Oh, yeah. well, better get used to it, Dr. Nordstrom. And uh, thank you for tuning in to an ep- another episode of Time and Attention. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There are. Thank you for listening to this one. Yeah. Sincerely. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. Um, it, it's been really exciting to watch the podcast grow lately. Mm-hmm. I think we're in the top 0.5% of podcasts. Yeah, No, me- no need wild. to toot our own horn here or anything, but it's exciting to see. And hopefully these ideas, you, you find them helpful. If you find them helpful, tell a friend about the pod. Yeah. No pressure. And if you have questions, any burning questions, I guess we're doing a QA and a for episode 100. So got a few weeks, but yeah, shoot your questions our way. Well, because we do it every two weeks, it'll be like six months until it's episode 100. We're on 95. That's bad math. I'll teach you math after. Okay. But uh, we also do need to have them sometime before we need to record. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. All right. Good stuff. Timeandattention.fm is where you can find all the previous episodes of the podcast, as well as in your podcast player of choice. Feel free to review the show. You don't have to, but you can if you want to, if you have a bit of time. We always appreciate it. And we hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.